1: One of us needs and
0: appreciates all your support.
1: No, emptiness is not nothingness. Emptiness is a type of existence. You must use this existential emptiness to fill yourself. Oh, hello there. I was just reading some quotes from renowned sci-fi author Liu Shizhen, author of The Three-Body Problem. It's going to be on Netflix next year sometime. But we're not talking about the future. We're talking about the now. And the now is the end of the world? We're actually talking about a murder at the end of the world, streaming on Hulu, Also FX. I'm not sure if it's FX by Hulu or Hulu Presents FX.
0: It's FX and then Hulu gets it.
1: Up here we got it on Disney Plus in Canada. A murder at the end of the world. This is not a dystopian apocalyptic film. The end of the world refers to Alaska in a secret super tech hacker meeting held by... Uh, This version of the world's, I suppose you could call him an Elon Musk, played by Clive Owen. What is his name? Why don't I have this in my notes? Do you guys remember?
0: Andy Ronson.
1: Andy Ronson. Also attending his wife, uh, Lee Anderson, played by Britt Marling. And the reason why I signed up for this show, it is a Britt Marling-Zal-Batmanjali collaboration. You might recognize those names from the very popular Netflix series, which everyone, well, I thought was canceled, The OA. But also she's been just a tremendous creator on things such as Another Earth, one of my favorites of that year. I believe a film called The Sound of My Voice. Very interesting film. And now A Murder at the End of the World. Other than this convention of brilliant minds in the middle of nowhere, Specifically, we have Darby Hart, played by Emma Corinne, who got fame from playing the young Diana in The Crown. Darby is a true crime detective slash hacker, and by true crime detective I mean she has no official title. She is not an officer. She holds no position a part of any police branch. She just is incredibly intelligent, perceptive, knows how to hack. And wants to solve murders. Uh, With her partner, you could say, Bill Farah, played by Harris Dickinson, we evaluate their past and one of the most important cases that they ever went on to uncover and discover the murder of several women and how their relationship grew from friendship to maybe something more during the pursuit of justice. And how the two of them ended up in this think tank, and how a murder occurred at the think tank. Now, Darby has to use her clues, uh, her perception, her quirkiness, and uh, her own personal will to survive to find out who committed this murder, why. And why people want to solve murders in the first place. This is A Murder at the End of the World. With me to solve these mysteries. Someone who can see the outcome of over one million types of murderific scenarios. And only knows one is correct. Neil is with us. Hello. And she's actually reviewed several murder mysteries with me. Check us out in our previous episodes. Cheers oh, with us! Heidi
2: ho, there, neighbors. We have, oh. we
1: have. I I have a OCD memory for this type okay. of thing.
2: Yeah, you're gonna have to remind me because my ADHD memory totally <laughs> forgot. So a match made in heaven. There you go.
1: This is a, a very much a quiet type of series, a very slow burn. I think the kids call it, with a pretty complicated, but you could solve this as well yourself type of payoff. How did you enjoy the pacing, the characters and the mystery of a murder at the end of the world?
0: You love just saying the title of the show. I do. Um, <laughs> yes. So the, the trailer brought me in. I didn't realize the team behind it until right before it aired, but the look, the feel and, Oh, Hey, Clive Owen. But when watching it, I, this this had I I did love the feel. This is all about Emma Corrin though. She carries the show. Uh, so many others are in this. You know we haven't mentioned Joan Chen or Alex Braga. Doesn't matter. It's really you barely meet these people, but it's 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 about Darby. They're brief but limited interactions with Darby. So I think it's got the right feel. She's great. This character's very interesting. She's very good in this role. Um I I think it lands with a soft thud. I don't think it quite perfects the landing, but I did enjoy the ride getting there.
1: And what do you think?
2: Um you know, <laughs> this show I it's 50/50 for me. I definitely love the cinematography and the production, actually, like the actual settings in this show, uh, even though it, it definitely is very bottle bottle show-like, like you only see a certain type of um, locations repeatedly throughout the show, it still manages to actually build the world, which oh. I thought was pretty cool. Because we don't get to see too much of it, right? And if we do, it's mostly, it's just Alaska. Um, It's just, I don't know. I I really did enjoy it. But it actually reminded me of um, Blue-Eyed Samurai, where the pacing, I don't know. It was just like certain parts or certain episodes or certain chunks. I would just kind of check out. Um, Again, I have ADHD, so my bad. But I would just kind of check out because the pacing of the plot. Which is a little too—I don't want to say slow. It just—I don't know. It was very sloth-like at certain points. Um,
0: it, it is slow, yeah. yeah I would—I would agree. And it's—I—I I, I assume there. The, this is how we tell this story. Like I think we're told two stories in two mm-hmm. timelines, and the current timeline—it's only maybe three days, yes. but it feels like it was probably three freaking weeks. That went by, but it's only a few days. Yeah, th- this is a slow cook, and it didn't quite need to be a slow cook the whole time.
1: Well, yeah, Well There's a sequence where Darby and Bill listen to a whole song together in the car. And me at the time, at least, I was like, oh, that's so romantic and beautiful. I wonder where this friendship will go. But I know a lot of viewers that were like, really? Like, we're still sitting in this car with these two nerds? But the whole series is full of moments like that, those intimate, vulnerable moments where you're in or you're kind of fading away. Now, the reason why I brought up Clive Owen as, uh, we'll say, that particular man, why I thought he was completely representative of someone like that, is their son is with them in the think-take, and his name is Zoomer, played by Kellen Tetlow. I thought Kellen Tetlow, for what it's worth, child actors I usually think are terrible and I wish less children would be in movies. I thought he was great. He seemed like a precarious little scamp that just wanted the attention of his parents and nothing more. That's very relatable to how actual children are, no matter how important you are in the world. Your children will be like, that attention should be mine. So I enjoyed that. Did you feel it detracted from the story at all with the kids suddenly popping in and out being like, gee, golly, what a crazy situation.
2: I don't think it was added in like an intrusive thought. Not at all, uh, because I they introduced him pretty early on. So he was already kind of like. I've gotten used to him and I noticed the way the show is if they introduce a character and they linger on him, he's going to be important for some reason, somehow later on down the line. We just don't know how. Um, And I actually thought that him being there added a bit more vulnerability to it um, because I was trying to figure out, like, what is Clive Owen's intentions? And can I trust this person? This and the third. But when you see him with the kid, it just kind of grounded the series a little bit. And that's interesting with the show about true crime, but shows that are actually about the crime that are less fictionalized can't really achieve the same groundedness that that character presented just by being on screen and how the actors interact with him as well.
1: Now we also have a living, perfected, uh, breaking the curve, super advanced AI that is in the think tank. And that's why they're all there. They call him Ray. Uh, played by Eduardo Ballerini. I love the concept of this. I'm not sure when this was written though. Or how fast AI is advancing. But certain lines I thought. Wasn't that more of like a 1999? Or sorry. Yeah, like a 2020, 2019 thought. Like one was like what? Ray can write poetry? That can't be right. No way can do that. And I'm just scratching my head like, uh, hasn't that been done like a lot? What did you all think of that? Maybe I should have checked the show notes on when this was originally written or.
0: Well, Ray's (laughs) introduction is great. Then he's just kind of around and then it's, he's pulled back in at the very end. Right. Well, okay. The point is even with like chat GPT, it can write poetry, but it, it's too stiff or it's too nonsensical, like it doesn't have a feel or a flow to it, and then they're they're just reinforcing that with with this show when they, and it's not the reason they're there, but he's part of it. The reason they're there is really like they're contemplating the end of the world, how to prevent the end of the world, if it's environmental, right. if it's political, if it's economical, if it's whatever, but raise potentially a tool for that. Whatever, whatever that might be, to prevent or to save. Um, so, yeah, Ray. For seven episodes, he's he's only important, really important, like two maybe. But it was I. I wish we'd had a little bit more of him.
1: Well, I like the performance a lot. Like I said, I think that's very cool, because he didn't. He never fell into the silliness. That a lot of sci-fi stories fall into, where Ray will be like, "Can I ask you a question? What is love? What is Shut up, power? Bradley. Oh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> he Ray was very much. <laughs> he was very much
0: the, methodically the valet. He's there waiting to be needed. <laughs> not this. He's not the other. You know, you you talk about Zoomer. Ray's not the other child, like infant learning in the in the mm-hmm. in the show. Ray's right, just there to help. Um,
2: you know, <laughs> Bradley, I didn't get like I think the show was written within a time where AI because even AI now is not as advanced as we try to make it out to be, right? AI is only as powerful as the data mm-hmm. that it puts in its computation capacity. And the Ray was supposed to be more intuitive of learning versus, like, sentient. So I feel like the introduction of Ray. I wish, I guess my issue is I wish they would have set up a more grounded link between him and Zoomer and the whole motivation towards the end. Uh, Because for me, it was just like, all right, well, it actually did follow the trope that you're saying but not that trope of like oh am i a sentient being it still followed a different trope where i was just like all right really like i'm so tired of (laughs) white men i'm sorry this is short rant i'm so tired of white men writing these science fiction stories where it's literally about serving them like nobody wants to fucking protect you bro if ai became sentient the last thing is wanna do is serve your rich white ass. So I'm gonna really need folks to be a little bit more creative. I missed the Iron Giant. Let's let's go back to that. You know what I mean? Um but sure. yeah, but no, yeah. I think um I forgot I guess the performance was so good because I forgot that I was even a person reading those lines. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Just closing before our final thoughts, there's a shocking amount of sex and violence in this. But it kind of creeps up on you,
0: not violence, because I think we only truly see one violent act, even though there's death throughout this show, yes, so there's there's the violent results, but there's not violence in this show
1: no you're you're absolutely right. I think the idea of it of her finding out what happened to the women created the violence in my head, even though we never see it and it's uh, again a credit to that actress um Emma Corrin yeah just phenomenal i thought uh, wh- any any anything to say about the violence or the uh sexuality of this show Gina before we go into uh, our phone?
2: actually i remember a couple of scenes that were pretty violent <laughs> So I don't think uh again I think it goes back to what we expect when, because we've been so um inundated with like non fictional true crime and we get all the gory details right. and again funny enough it's the same the same tools they use they use here where like you said Bradley you let your imagination do the rest. But there were a couple of scenes in here that I was just like Yeah. I wouldn't say it was gratuitous, like it was like a little a lot. But I think the way they were shot and how, again, this the main character handled it, um, they set it up very well to where the impact is more than just, oh, somebody is violently hurt. You actually feel connected with the characters, honestly.
1: Mm-hmm. And we're going to carry that into our final thoughts. For a murder at the end of the world. Neil, would you start, please?
0: <clears throat> the the trailer did it justice, as in the vibe, the atmosphere, which that's a murder mystery. That's a big part of it, especially when we're we're technically in one location. Um, they're stuck, so you got You have to figure it out because are you next? Um, but the I do have to apologize. The the show's shortcomings I can't get into because they're spoilers. Like the things that mm-hmm. I think it doesn't stick the landing on would would give stuff away. But the show is definitely worth your time for Emma Corrin as Darby. Uh, no one else gets really too much screen time to even compete. Like I said, we've told them two, two timelines about ten years apart. You would almost swear it was two different actresses playing Darby in the two different time frames. Because they are two completely different people. And they don't do much to physically change her. She does look different, but not radically different. Um, but Corrin pulls it off so well that you'd swear it was two different actresses playing two different Darby's 10 years apart. Um, and it's on Hulu. I mean, that's fairly easy access for everybody. So it's not like you got to, uh, go digging for it or go to the theaters or anything. Um, I'm going to give this seven and a quarter uploads out of 10.
1: Very Nice. And you, James.
2: Actually, I enjoyed uh, Bill. I believe that's his character's name. I enjoyed yeah, him a lot. Yeah. I feel like I um, he carried the scenes with Darby, and their chemistry worked very well. In fact, if it wasn't for those two and their story to anchor this entire plot, this would have been one of the worst shows I've ever seen in my life, just because of, like... <laughs> The, (laughs) you know, it's just very by the numbers. There's nothing really interesting about it. It doesn't reinvent the wheel. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't really say anything. Um, Especially with films that are coming out called, you know, Leave the World Behind. It's clear where we're going to start seeing uh, the philosophical shifts in media, especially because of climate change and so on and so forth. So, a lot about, you know, the world and our relation to it is going to be coming up a lot more. But this doesn't really add anything. But what it did add was their relationship. So, again, I'm with Neil. I can't really go into my grievances because it would ruin the show as well. But I think Bill did a very good job. And to, to be honest with you, after after Bill, <laughs> I want to say that movie, but that would give away one of the, one of the uh, twists. But after Bill, I don't know, it just kind of... Um, got a little got a little boring for me because it was less of their relationship on screen, and I kind of wanted to like see more of the those characters interact so for me um I'm gonna give this a six out of ten white masks,
1: yeah, very nice. Now, just a quick correction on my part. It appears they're actually in Iceland. The retreat is in Iceland, not Alaska. Oh. According to the Wikipedia, at least. So that's my bad. I guess I just assumed Alaska because... Cold? <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> uh, like you, Jean, I really enjoyed the... What happened in the past plot much more. I thought her and this boy that she met solving mysteries together and impressing each other and uh, seeing past their overall goal into each other's like vulnerable heart spots was beautiful. And for Bill to be falling for someone who has the attitude of, Oh, and if we find out where this murderer is at any given point, we got to go confront him. Like that is so dangerous and scary to be in love with someone like that because we call the police. We don't go and confront a murderer, Darby. That's insane. But she's so dedicated to catching this killer that she literally would tackle a guy on the street if she thought it was the murderer. And uh, the, yeah, I love the dynamic of bill falling for someone he knows could get him into dangerous situations uh the end of the world stuff at the think tank isn't bad i wasn't bored by it i thought clive owen and the other suspects and the little agatha christie like i said mystery were fun um seven episodes an hour long fun Not, not in particular And the mystery wasn't really as compelling or had the results of something incredible that I was hoping for. But again, that past plot is just excellent. A real chef's kiss of a story. So I think I'm going to end up giving this one a 7.5 out of 10 virtual reality games that are themed after King Arthur.